The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What is up? Welcome on into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, July 15th, and the band is back together. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Look at us. Look at us, guys. We did it. We what made a band, band are we? I don't know. I mean, that's more of a you got to be a three piece. Yes. So, so, you know, you, you look at the big three pieces. You're talking cream rush, mm. the police mm. blink 182. Mm. You tell uh, us, Chris, because it was pretty sad when we did uh, team name Tuesday, just the two of us. And it was all these <laughs> music references that neither of us got. It was. Um, it was very sad. We needed you, Chris. Uh, I could see it being like the police. Because you got like Stuart Copeland, who's this like incredible drummer. He's just like a a real, real uh I don't know what the what the term I'm looking for, but that's Scott. Scott's really good. He's smart. You got Sting. I could be Sting, the like overly erudite guy that nobody really likes. You got Frank, who can be uh can't remember their guitarist name. Frank could be that guy. It was mostly just a path to to be self-deprecating. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be Andy Summers. That's me. I'm Andy, Andy Summers, Summers, of course. You're Andy Summers. Yeah. I'm I'm the guy that no one can remember his name, but I'm I'm there. I'm like in the band, but you know he was he's a good guitarist, you know. So sure. uh, you got that going for you. I appreciate that. I, I mean, if I had to choose myself just based on who I like most from the groups you mentioned, probably Blink One Eighty Two. But that's honestly you know. same. Yes, I'm all about it. Today on the show, we are going to recap a little bit of our Jaron Duran emergency podcast that we did. Chris was not on that, so we'll get his opinion. We will check in on every team's bullpen. That's right. The bulk of the show. Which players are going to be moved? Who's the next man up? Who can you add if you need holds? I have all of it, I think, hopefully. We've got some trade rumors. Joey Gallo, Trevor Story, all the Cubs. Where are these guys headed? I don't know. It's just fun to talk about. Will it really change things all that much? I don't know. And then we have your mailbag <laughs> questions as well. Some Apple podcast review questions and some emails. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. But before all of that, I would like to ruffle some feathers. It's been a while since we've had a controversial topic to talk about here on the podcast. Let us know what you think. Tweet at us. Email us. Let us know. But I am all here for it. Chris, we were talking beforehand. Shohei Otani, what he is doing right now in this generation of baseball, they're not going to like to hear it, is more impressive than what Babe Ruth did in his career. There's no doubt in my mind. Now, that's not taking anything away from Babe Ruth because 
the great Bambino, the legend, the nope, Sultan of SWAT, the Sultan of SWAT, all the, the Colossus of clout, the massive baseball bats. You've heard all about it, about it. The, the big wooden sticks this guy would use. Oh my goodness. Where, where is it? Oh my good goodness gracious. There you go. I think but, in, in the interest of clarity, they all use wooden sticks. Sure. But sure. Anyway, he was doing it against guys that had day jobs. They're going off to the military. I mean, these are just not like it's not even close to the same thing. They're, the, the level of athlete that was playing back in the 1910s, 1920s is just it's not even close. It's night and day. It's, it's not even a conversation, Chris. It, it's it's functionally a different sport. Like if you picked it, it like it, it's all it's always like this time machine versus whatever. Like, did you take Babe Ruth as a baby and bring him to 2001 <laughs> and raise him in this world that we live in? Or did you just pluck Babe Ruth out of 1927 and drop him in? If you picked Babe Ruth out of 1927 and dropped him here, one, he would be terrified at modern tech, like the jumbotron. Just imagine someone born in 1900 looking at a 150 foot 4K monitor. It just it would blow their mind. They, he would be unable to function. And also, like Shohei Otani probably throws more pitches over 90 miles per hour in one start than Babe Ruth saw his entire career. It's just it's functionally a different game. Like the you're not guys aren't throwing 170 pitch complete games. And like pitchers were bad hitters back then, but they were much better relative to the league than they are now. And two way players were, if not common, certainly not a, a totally rare occurrence. We haven't like the reason we're going back to Babe Ruth is because that's the last guy who really did it. And that's a hundred years ago. He stopped pitching basically a hundred years ago this season. And so the fact that Shohei Otani cannot just do both, because there have been pitchers who could hit, like Dontrell Willis was a pretty good hitter, and uh, Madison Bumgarner. And he's not that good, but he had a couple <laughs> of years that were good. Sure. What was the uh, Micah Owings was pretty good. They threw him out in the outfield a few times. There was a guy for the Reds as well, My, Michael Lorenzen, right? I think they were my thing. Rick, yeah. Wasn't Rick Ankeel originally an outfielder and then Rick he turned Ankeel into a pitcher? Also, I mean, it yeah. took he originally both at the same time, but yeah. Brooks Kishnick. But like, and like <laughs> Hunter Green, the, the, the prospect that the Reds uh, drafted, Brendan McKay, like there have been a handful of guys who have tried, but none of them have actually succeeded at any level with the exception of Shohei Otani. And we're talking about, I mean, really a hundred years. You know, there were some like Bob Lemon could hit and Bob Gibson could hit, but you're still talking about like sub 70 OPS plus guys. Yes. Um, just on degree of difficulty, what Shohei Otani is doing right now is clearly more difficult than what Babe Ruth did. That being said, Babe Ruth had a season where he hit more home runs than every other team in baseball did. So like that is its own version of incredibly impressive. But then they're also mm. like Shohei Otani is playing against Latin American players and Asian American player, Asian players and black players. You know, the, the talent pool is so much deeper now that we're drawing from, even with football and basketball and all these other sports competing for, uh, you know, the talent pool, you're still talking about a hundred times more uh, potential players being chosen from relative to a hundred years ago in baseball. It's just, it's a completely different, it's like, it's unfair to compare 
like it's unfair to Babe Ruth to compare it. And also Babe Ruth played in what was functionally a what a minor league. That's probably the take that's gonna make people mad. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but. look, he can only go up against who the other teams had, right? Like it's again, well, like the, the, he played in the league that would not allow him to go against the very best players. Sure. Or at least all of the best players. So like that the talent level wasn't as great as it could have been intentionally. Yeah. So by design, that's not Babe Ruth's fault necessarily. Exactly. That That's my point is that it's not his fault yeah. that that was the case. Right. So I look. just, I don't think you can make the comparison. It's such a different world. It's a different sport. Um, and I don't know. I, All you can really say for sure is that Babe Ruth stood out more than anyone else among yes. his peers. Yeah, sure. Which is, I mean, especially a hundred years apart. That's, but really any era you're looking at in baseball, that's, that's really the only kind of measurement you could make. But you also see that less and less often in all sports as we move along. Like Wilt mm-hmm. Chamberlain stood out against his peers more than LeBron James does. Yes. You know, as sports go, there are less and there are fewer and fewer of these outliers like that because the talent pool gets, you know, the bar that you have to clear to get there is so high. Scott, you're here, by the way. I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to add now that we're 10 minutes of the podcast. No, that's fine. This is, this is, this is Chris's thing. Chris's thing. Also, Chris's thing is uh, whatever his opinion on Jaron Duran is because one of the top prospects in the game is being called up, and we have done an emergency podcast already. You can go check that out. 24-year-old Jaron Duran batting 270 at AAA with 15 home runs and 12 steals on the season has really improved that power the past year or so. Um, and he's 47% rostered. Chris, anything that you would like to add on Jared Kelnick? Do you believe that he is a must-add player? And a question Jared, I... Jaron Duran, Frank. Jared you Durant. called him Jared Kelnick, just like you did that time during the emergency Gosh, pod. I, it is tough, man, because the names are... Obviously, the first names are so similar, but is Jaron Duran a <laughs> must-add player in fantasy? The question I keep getting now is Duran or Luis Robert, and I think that that is a fair question. Duran's here. So, you know, Luis Robert, we're hoping can be here by the beginning of August, maybe middle of August. I mean, you're probably still realistically looking at close to a month away. Uh, I think the chances of Luis Robert being a very good player are higher than they are for Jaron Duran because he's already been that at the major league level. But uh, if you have to pick one, yeah, you would rather have Jaron Duran right now because he's here. Uh, the thing I'm, you know, obviously there's a, a big, there's been a big jump in his power. And one thing I wish we had, and I'm trying to look for it is to see if there's any kind of, um, you know, like, did he start hitting the ball harder at the alternate site last year? Is he hitting he changed the ball harder? Yeah, changed yeah, no, not, right, right, right. But I mean, like, was it just to hit more fly balls? Is this like a, is this like a Kevin Biggio situation where, you're talking about maybe middling raw power, but he's getting the most out of it. And will that play in the same way in the majors? That that's what I'm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to get exit velocity readings for yeah. minor league, but I mean, just based on the scouting reports, that's not what I gather. I mean, he 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 totally changed his setup, and yeah. um, you know, I, I was reading about how the guy who scouted him thought he had the ability to develop power, and his swing was just so flat that. You know, he he needed the overhaul that he underwent with Doug Latta, who was the hitting guru who um most known for turning Justin Turner into a perennial all-star and when he was just a role player for the Mets before that. 
that's who Duran tapped into to get them up, get his swing where it is now. And obviously he's turned into a much, you know, a much higher prospect because of it. The Robert Duran comparison, we didn't bring that up on the, um, on the emergency pod. And of course I'm not going to rehash everything here, everything I said there, but I think certainly a prospect of Duran's caliber. And he's, he's a step behind Wander Franco and Jared Kelnick in terms of, how likely he is to be great and how great he can possibly be, both the floor and upside. He, he's behind those guys. And yet we've seen those guys both falter in their first stint in the majors. And we've talked about it with a lot of, with basically every prospect call up this year, how it seems like that transition is becoming more and more difficult. So I think you honestly have to treat somebody like Duran more like a lottery ticket. I mean, we've, we've used that term in fantasy before, but obviously the odds were much better than a lottery ticket that it would pay off. And now they're closer to a lottery ticket where you shouldn't expect it to pay off. Yeah. And so I, I, I think if I'm deciding between Robert and Duran, you know, Dur- uh, Robert isn't a lottery ticket, Robert, you well, have to wait a few more weeks for him, but assuming yeah. he doesn't suffer a setback, he's going to be a high end contributor for you. Yeah. That's the only thing is like, I don't know to what extent Robert, is a lottery ticket just because this was an injury that we thought might keep him out for the whole season. That's the only thing is like there what's a, what's a bigger chance that Robert suffers some kind of setback or that Duran just doesn't hit. I would think the chances of Robert suffering a setback are probably not as high as the chances of Duran hitting. But look, if you've got space for both of them, you should absolutely have both of them on your roster. I don't have space for both of them in any of my leagues because there's so many injuries. And just to put some context on what you were saying about, you know, rookies, obviously I think we have a lot of anecdotal evidence about the rookie class, uh, the rookies struggling, but right now rookies collectively have a 28% strikeout rate and a 79 weighted runs created. That is the, obviously it's the worst strikeout rate of all time uh, for, or at least, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say all time for rookies. Uh, It's 0.9% worse than 2020. It's, 3.5% 3.5% worse than 2019. Um, and the 79 weighted runs created plus for the rookies collectively is the second worst since 2002. 2002, it was 78 weighted runs created plus. Last season, it was 83. So rookies as a whole are performing worse, and it hasn't really gotten much better as the season's gone on. Chris, to answer your question about Jared Jaron Duran, I almost did it again. Jaron Duran's power, his fly ball rate this season is a career high 39%. That's never been higher than 29% at any other level. And his his line drive rate is up. Yes, and his home run to fly ball ratio is 29%, which is a massive number and likely wasn't even sustainable at AAA, so I wouldn't expect anything close to that in the majors. Maybe it's half of that, something like 14-15%, which is right around league average. But the fact that he is putting the ball in the air more frequently and those are uh, turning into home runs uh, more than ever, I think kind of just lends itself to that change in his swing and the fact that he has just added more power. I mean, physically, you look at the guy where he's at now compared to where he Mm -hmm. was a couple of years ago. He just looks stronger. So, yes, I think he is a strong boy. That is definitely (laughs) something that has played in here as well. Before we hit the news and notes and 
There's only two news items that I have today. The Open Championship has arrived. Golf's final major is back for the first time in two years, and the First Cut crew has you covered on the links as the world's best travel to Royal St. George's. Join Rick Gaiman, Kyle Porter, and Mick Immelman, Mark Immelman, rather, as they preview the tournament from a betting perspective and give you round-by-round updates throughout the week. Go inside the ropes on the First Cut Golf Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Those extensive news and notes that I have. The MLB has extended Trevor Bauer's administrative leave to July 27th. John Heyman of MLB Network reported earlier on Wednesday. And at some point, it could turn into an indefinite leave, which yeah, I guess I is... I think it would have to turn into an indefinite leave at after this one. Isn't that the rule? That they can only extend it so many times. His hearing for uh, his... Uh, restraining order is July 23rd. So we may have more clarity at that point, but there's nothing new here otherwise. Yeah, it, it's hard to say one way or the other. So I don't know. Obviously, it's like much bigger than fantasy baseball, which is it's always kind of weird to talk about these yeah. situations because our job is to talk about fantasy baseball and, and give everyone advice. But obviously, like the situation is way more important than just fantasy baseball. The Angels signed outfielder Adam Eaton to a major league contract on Wednesday, which don't really know that it matters all that much. When I checked out their roster resource page, I found out that Phil Gosselin had been starting in left field recently for the Angels. Justin Upton is on the IL. Mike Trout is on the IL. Those guys could both be back soon. So this isn't really news, but it was a very slow news day. So there are your two new news items uh, from Wednesday. Closer updates. And throughout all of this, we will talk about who we think is the current closer, uh, who are the holds leaders. I have some of that information. And could any of these teams look to either trade their closers away, closer, closers, or look to acquire somebody? So let's talk about all that. And we'll start with the American League and with the Orioles. I have no idea who their uh, closer is. Their last three saves have been Cole Sulcer, Dylan Tate, and Adam Plutko. And I think Paul Fry is probably the best of the bunch. So, no idea. Yeah, I mean, they they tried Paul Fry in that role for a while. It, it The save opportunities didn't come up very consistently, but they're using him like a closer, you know? And uh, it, it just kind of all fell apart for him. And it Cole Sulcer, at one point, his numbers were closer caliber too and they've since taken a turn for the worse and I think it's you know worth noting like they haven't had a save in July those three actually came on three consecutive days but before that it looks like they had three saves in the first 26 days of the month of June so they have had six saves going back to the start of June so you hesitate to say it doesn't matter but it certainly doesn't matter that much. Nobody has nobody has enough momentum for a team that's not going to get the opportunities consistently enough. Like none of yeah. them are going to help you enough in ratios where like, okay, you can start Emmanuel Class A or, or James Karinczak even when Class A was getting the saves. You know, it's not like that either way. Yes, I am confident saying that in a even in a 15-team league, I don't know that any of these guys need to be rostered. But if no. you'd like to roster any of them, I think Paul Fryer or Cole Sulcer are more than likely to get the next save opportunity for the Baltimore Orioles. For the Red Sox, you already know it's Matt Barnes, who has 19 saves on the season. There have been some trade rumors about a reunion with Craig Kimbrell, so obviously that would throw a wrench in things, but until something happens there. 
I would just assume that Matt Barnes is obviously the guy. Rest of season. For the Yankees, a role this Chapman. I guess Chad Green got their last save and then he pitched on Sunday before the all-star break and allowed a bunch of runs and a three run walk-off home run to Jose Altuve and uh, Zach Britton is someone who's returning and someone that you alluded to on yesterday's podcast, Scott. So Yankees, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been awful for Roldis Chapman and it's coincided with a drop in spin rate as the, Foreign substances crackdown has taken effect. 14 earned runs in his past six and two-thirds innings. His ERA has gone from 0.39 to 4.55 in the span of three weeks, the four weeks. I still think he's most likely to get the next one. I I don't know if he's 50-50 to get the next one or 60-40 or 40-60, but he's more likely than anyone else. He is, but for the first time in his career... Uh, it, it feels like he's vulnerable. It feels like he may not be able to hang on to the job, especially with Zach Britton coming back, who himself was an all-star closer with the Orioles, who has been a great fill-in for an injured Chapman in the past. Yeah, we got to see, we got to make sure he's healthy because he's missed most of this year with injury. But it wouldn't be the most shocking turn of events if Britton overtakes Chapman in August and... You know, if if that happens, Britain would become a highly desirable fantasy option closing out games for the Yankees. For sure. A role this Chapman, I, I will say this. If he has another major meltdown the first week mm-hmm. or so coming out of the second half, I think that he's out of that role for the foreseeable future. The next couple of weeks, month, whatever it might be, because he's had some real, real bad meltdowns. So that's just my two cents there on the Yankees. Uh, for Tampa Bay, Diego Castillo has the last two saves for them. Pete Fairbanks kind of had a chance there a couple of weeks ago, but didn't really take advantage. If you are looking for just awesome ratios or holds, Andrew Kittredge, Colin McHugh, J.P. Fireisen, Fairbanks on this team actually has nine holds on the season, uh, but I would rank those other three ahead of him if you're just looking for really good ratios, but you know who the Tampa Bay Rays are. They're going to mix and match. I think Diego Castillo is more than likely uh, to get the next save opportunity for Tampa Bay. For the Blue Jays, sure looks like Jordan Romano is the guy, but I do wonder if they would look into acquiring somebody who has a little bit more experience than him, so just something that I would keep in mind there. Yeah, it's possible. They've they've really gotten hit hard, the bullpen has, in terms of injuries, obviously losing... Losing Julian Merriweather at the start of the year was a big blow. Um, Rafael Dolis, who we saw in the closer role for a while, fell apart and then got hurt. And I think he's back now, but he's not. He's certainly not a bankable option for them. They don't have much behind Jordan Romano, so it would it would make sense for them to bolster their bullpen before the deadline. And if that means acquiring a Kimbrel or who else is out there, Ian Kennedy. Maybe Richard Rodriguez, I think. Richard Rodriguez, available. yeah, I was trying to think of the name, the Pirates guy. <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't know that any other than Kimbrel, of course. I don't know that any of them would automatically overtake Romano, but it would be, it would be a threat. For the White Sox, it's Liam Hendricks. Obviously, he has 23 saves there. Garrett Crochet and Michael Kopech are both great for strikeouts and holds. And when Aaron Bummer returns from the IL, he had 
10 holds on the season, 3.26 ERA, 12.8 K per nine there for Aaron Bummer. For Cleveland, James Karinczak has their last two saves. He has nine overall. Emmanuel Class A has 11 on the season. If you do need some holds in Cleveland, Brian Shaw has 12 holds. Uh, Chris, I don't know if anybody kind of has a firm hold on on Cleveland's bullpen, but I, I think it's Karinczak's for now. Yeah, it, it looks like Class A hasn't had a save opportunity, gosh, since June 16th, if I'm reading this correctly. He had a blown save in the eighth inning on July 9th, and then he pitched in the ninth inning but wasn't in a save opportunity on July 4th and 5th, if I'm looking at it correctly. Actually, the one on July 5th. Sorry, he has one on July 5th, and then the, the previous one was June 16th. So he has... One save opportunity, essentially in the last month. I, I think Class A is clearly not in that closers role. For the Tigers, Gregory Soto has their last save. Jose Cisnero has the two saves before that. I personally think that Jose Cisnero is better, in my opinion. But I think that they kind of mix and match here. One lefty, one righty. Tigers are not going to win many games. It's yeah. kind of like the Orioles, but I think it's a little bit more set on just those two guys between Soto and Jose Cisnero. And Michael Fulmer is going to be back at some point. And sure. yeah. he, he looked like the preferred option for A.J. Hinch before he got hurt. Yep. So keep yeah, that I think the problem is if, if neither one of them is going to be the guy, you're hoping for, what, a save a week, maybe two in a good case scenario for one of those wow. two guys, and neither of them's particularly good. So, yeah. You know, Probably they, more like a save every other week. I mean, they have... 8, 12, 19 in 17. I think we're coming up on week 19, actually, for fantasy. So that uh, kind of tells the story. Week 16. Week 16? Not quite Not quite to 19 yet. I thought uh, it would be 17 if you divided that first week in two. But. Uh, okay. Maybe that's where I got. I don't know where I got confused. Uh, for the Royals, one of the hardest ones to figure out all year. Scott Barlow has their last two saves, but he's given up five earned runs in two appearances since then. I do think Scott Barlow has the best strikeout stuff on the team. Maybe he's someone who's on the trade block as well. Uh, anything to add on the Royals? Actually, we're going into week 15 if you combine those first two weeks. It would be 16 if you split them up, but anyway. Really? I thought last week was 15. <laughs> what, what team are we talking about? The, the Royals. Royals. That's, that's how little it matters. I oh, think yeah. Scott Barlow's pretty good. I thought Scott Bar- Barlow was pretty good last year, and I think he got an opportunity to be the closer at one point and like immediately blew up. Maybe that's going back to 2019. Well, it looked like he was going to be the guy finally now, but then yeah. they he got a couple saves, right? And then they immediately went back to using him in more yeah. of a setup role. I without think he in like the sixth or seventh in one recent game. Yeah, yeah, he... Ba- Worked the ninth for a save on back-to-back days, July 2nd and 3rd, then came in in the 7th and, and then the 8th in his yeah, next two appearances and, and, and gave up runs in both because yeah. probably, probably he was in that closer mindset, right? And you, but he's got a 316 career FIP. He's never had a FIP over 349. I think he's pretty good. For the Minnesota Twins, Hansel Robles has nine saves and 13 holds on the season. Taylor Rogers has eight of each of those statistics. Uh, but they basically split. I think a lot of it is dependent on matchups, who's coming up earlier in the game. If it's a big spot with lefties coming up, they're going to use Taylor Rogers, and you could kind of swap that around based on if there are righties coming up. The Twins, however, are 11 games under 500, so they could look to trade one, both, neither. I don't know. I think I think the Rogers Twins is, I think, a lot better. 
Yeah. If you're just asking, like, who's the better pitcher out of the two, I, I sure. think Rodgers is clearly the best option. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that, but I guess like, Minnesota which probably, would be a free agent. Which probably makes him the more likely to be traded, right? Yeah, he's arbit- he's got one year of arbitration left, so he, he can be a free agent at the end of next season. So not necessarily need to trade him now, but this is the time of a player's contractual life where team might start to think about it for the Astros Ryan Presley obviously the closer there Ryan Stanek leads the team with 11 holds if you need holds for the Angels Rysel Iglesias has 19 saves each of Steve Ciszek Tony Watson and Mike Myers have double digit holds there for Oakland Lou Trevino leads the team with 14 saves Jake Diekman has seven Yusmero Petit has 16 saves with a 4.4 K per nine What's up? Holds. He has uh, right. sixteen holds. Yes. What did I say? Yeah, saves. Two saves. Gosh, I'm all over the place. Thank you. Thank you for catching that, Chris. Uh, but yes, use Merrill Petit has sixteen holds. Just does not get any strikeouts. For this is this yes. has begun to look more like Lou Trevino's job. I know Jake Diekman got a save recently, and they still play matchups to a certain degree. But it was it was a near 50-50 split earlier on, like the Twins situation, and they're going much more with Trevino in the ninth now. And by the way, uh, I, I recently saw Trevor Rosenthal is done for the year, so he's not yes. going to come interfere in the weeks ahead. For the Mariners, Kendall Graveman leads the team with eight saves, but Paul Sewald has two of their last three saves, and he has a K per nine over 15. For those two saves, Ken, uh, Kendall Graveman was unavailable for both, but Sewald's like kind of interesting. He's 12% roster, gives you all these strikeouts. Yeah, I think he's probably just going to be someone to like spell Graveman if he ever needs a day off or something. But he has a one hundred two FIP. Yeah, yeah. see, no, he's been does. awesome. Him and Craveman have both been really, really good developmental stories for them this season. Sure, fifteen fifteen point four K per nine, uh, and Drew Steckenrider has become a pretty reliable setup man too, even better than he was in his Marlins days. So, yeah, I mean, suddenly they have alternatives to Graveman if they don't want to fully commit to Kendall Graveman in the role. He's he's still ha- I mean, 0.95 ERA. There's no reason why they really should mess with him in that role. But, you know, Scott Service has been less than committal. So we'll see. For the Rangers, Ian Kennedy has 15 saves and one of the prime trade candidates here at the deadline. And if he's moved... To a contending team, I would imagine he probably doesn't close for whatever team he goes to. He's probably, you know, winds up as a seventh, eighth inning guy again. That is Ian Kennedy. So just kind of brace yourself for that uh, if you are depending on him for saves. The person who has pitched the eighth inning in their most recent save was Spencer Patton, who has a 2.92 ERA and 11.7 K per nine. Is there anyone else you see in the Rangers bullpen that you think would take over, if not Patton? No, I mean it was it was a problem identifying a, a replacement for Kennedy when he spent that time on the IL, as brief as it was. Yeah, nobody I'd be excited to to have in fantasy. I imagine there'd be a lot of mixing and matching. It'd become like the Orioles situation where you're not convinced anybody's that good, and you never know who's going to be next anyway. Yes, they have used uh, Yoeli Rodriguez in the eighth inning a few times recently as well. I noticed he's a lefty. He's got a five point eight four ERA, so I don't think he's very good. And when Ian Kennedy was out, I believe it was Josh Spores. That's S-B-O-R-Z who had a save opportunity, but 
I think he blew that save. So <laughs> I think Spencer Patton is probably the best reliever in that bullpen outside of Kennedy, but I guess time will tell because I think he's very likely to be traded. As we've mentioned quite a few times recently, very happy to have Express back as a sponsor on the podcast. Express Confidence, Express You. Express is all new and all about you with a fresh mix of casual, versatile, and super comfortable styles. Got to start with their cotton shred shirts, which very often I am wearing here on the podcast. Their V-necks are great. Have a few black ones, have a few white ones. Look great, breathable, stretch-infused cotton for all-day comfort. My first priority is always comfort. If I'm not comfortable, I'm not confident. They're also machine washable, so you don't have to worry about dry cleaning and are available in all different kinds of solid colors. And maybe you need to dress up. you got a special occasion coming up wedding, whatever it might be. Express offers suiting and separates designed to be worn together as a suit or separately with casual pieces. I bought one of their slim fitting olive blazers from their Lux Comfort Collection, and it really is the perfect combination of style and comfort. Available in chambray, linen, seersucker, and the aforementioned Lux Comfort Knit. Make sure to be on the lookout for great summer deals in stores and at express.com. Express confidence, express you. We are going to take a quick break, but when we return, we will take a look at the National League bullpens and some MLB trade rumors next on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so let's start with your Atlanta Braves, Scott. Will Smith, you know the deal. 18 saves on the season if you need holds. A.J. Minter has 19 holds. Luke Jackson has much better ratios, though he has quite a few less holds. He's only at 11 there for the Atlanta Braves. They're not, are they going to trade for someone? Probably not, right, Scott? And I don't know with with Acuna going down. I, I've yeah. kind of, I've kind of given up on them for 2021. I know they're only they're only like four games back or something, right? Yeah. Um. Yep. So they're not out of it, but I don't know. I I feel like they're out of it. <laughs> for the Marlins, Yimi Garcia has 13 saves. However, a 6.57 ERA in 14 appearances since the start of June, and I think he also could be traded. Anthony Bender has a 1.84 ERA in their most recent save. Uh, he also blew one in a one-run game. He allowed one run to score. 12K per nine, 10% rostered is Anthony Bender. Uh, Chris, do you foresee Yimi Garcia getting traded? I kind of think Bender could take over even if Garcia isn't traded. I, I think Garcia could be traded. I, I also think Bender could. You know, the one thing Bender does have going for him relative to the Yimi Garcia, Dylan Floro, Anthony Bass, the other kind of, good relievers in this bullpen as he is in his first season. And so there's real no financial incentive for them to move on from him. So I could absolutely see them uh, looking at him as the starter or the the closer down the stretch for sure. And he's been really, really good this season. For the Phillies, Ranger Suarez has their last two saves and he recorded the final seven outs on Sunday. That took him 45 pitches. He's 26% rostered. The Phillies are currently in second place in the National League East. They're three and a half games out. So I guess it's a possibility they could trade for somebody as well. Interest level in Ranger Suarez? I feel like he's the guy as, as much as I can say that 
for anyone with only two saves on the year. You know, point seven seven ERA, point seven four WHIP. The strikeout rate, you know, yeah, exactly one per. But he has the extreme extreme ground ball rate that has sustained a guy like Zach Britton over the course of his career. No, it's it's hard to repeat Zach Britton, but. <laughs> I mean, everybody else that the Phillies have used in that role has been disastrous. It's just weird that he got seven outs in that final appearance before the All-Star break because you wouldn't normally treat a closer that way. He's a a converted starter, and you figure, last one before the All-Star break, I can't trust anyone else right now. (laughs) Seriously. I guess I can see the logic behind it. And I'm pretty sure that Jose Alvarado pitched earlier in that game, and he gave up some runs, so... They probably just didn't have anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so Hector Neris pitched in the fifth. Jose Alvarado pitched in the sixth. He gave up four hits, two runs. Archie Bradley then came in, uh, recorded an inning, and <laughs> they had nobody else. So they just let yeah. Ranger Suarez go. And, you know, recording a save like that, that's going to help build some confidence in Joe Girardi, assuming that they don't go out and trade for someone. So that is uh, Ranger Suarez again with the Phillies. For the Nationals, Brad Hand has 19 saves. He's the guy there. Daniel Hudson has 11 holds, actually has great ratios and strikeouts this year if you just need a reliever for those specific things. For the Cubs, I think it's very likely that Craig Kimbrell uh, is dealt at the deadline. Before the deadline, he has 20 saves. Andrew Chafin pitched in the eighth inning in their most recent save. Ryan Tapera pitched two innings before that. Both of those guys have a ton of holds, and, and they both have been very good this year. Uh, Chris, if Kimbrell is traded, Andrew Chafin, Tapera. Tapera's the righty, so I kind of lean that way. Yeah, I think that's probably the more sli- most likely outcome, uh, Tapera being the righty. Just shout out to Craig Kimbrell for having like a vintage Craig Kimbrell season. This is for like... Sure. I'm not going to say it's as good as we've ever seen him. He's still, although this is like the third lowest walk rate of his career. That is stunning. Man. Shouts to Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, I think it would be Ryan Tapera. Um, One thing I do want to go back to, I don't remember when we were talking about the Braves. Did we mention Will Smith as a trade candidate? No. Yeah, I know he is under contract for next season, but that might actually make him more attractive to a team that's looking to to trade for a closer. Um, I don't know if that's something they're likely to do, but... That's uh, it's worth considering at least. Yep, and, and I guess kind of similar here with the Braves. AJ Minter is the lefty there. Luke Jackson is the righty. Jackson has better numbers. So if you need names to remember, I think those are the two for Atlanta. For the Reds, mm-hmm. much like the Royals in the American League, it's been a mess for Cincinnati. Obviously, since TJ Antone and Lucas Sims went down with injury, it's we thought it was going to be Brad Brock. We thought it was going to be Amir Garrett. Now, Heath Hembury had saves last Friday and Saturday. Josh Osich got the save on Sunday with Hembury unavailable. Uh, Anton and Sims are due back late July. Scott, any read on the situation? Maybe the Reds trade for somebody, too? I don't know how many games they are out. Let's see. I don't have that available right now. But what do you think, Reds? Uh, the Reds are four games out, four games behind the Brewers. They're in second place. They're, they're very much in the playoff picture. And it would make a ton of sense for them to <laughs> bolster that bullpen with a late inning arm because it's it's surprising they've been this competitive with the bullpen they do have. You know, if they don't, my guess is Lucas Sims yeah. becomes the the leading candidate for saves, but I don't know that it would be a true closer situation. One thing that's worth noting is Michael Lorenzen should be back very soon. Um and they are using him basically in a one-inning role in his rehab assignment. He pitched two innings in one outing, but for the most part, 
uh, four outings, five innings. So you know, he's another name to consider. He's been up and down, but the two years before 2020, he was pretty good. I think part of the problem is they have a lot of guys who haven't proven they can be much more than pretty good. <laughs> That's Although basically I think Antone is very good. Yes. Captain Hook, they like to call him. Love me some TJ Antone. But uh, yeah, I think it's probably, it's Hembry for now. If Sims comes back healthy, likely go back to him, but would not surprise me if they trade for someone. For the Brewers, Josh Hader, 21 saves on the season. Obviously, he's their guy. Devin Williams, 15 holds. Brad Boxberger has 11. For the Pirates, definitely possible. Richard Rodriguez is dealt. He has 12 saves on the season. Will Bednar has pitched in the eighth inning in each of the last two saves for the Pirates, so I do think he would be the next man up in Pittsburgh. For the Cardinals, Alex Reyes is 20 for 20 in save opportunities this year. Very clearly, the guy, hopefully, that walk rate doesn't get too out of control. I mean, it's pretty much been out of control all year, but hopefully it doesn't actually uh, hamper his effectiveness. Rest of Shouts season. to Alex Reyes for pitching in an all-star game. Yeah. I mean... We didn't know what this guy's career was going to be. All, all that he's yeah. gone through, all the injuries, major injuries too, right? So he's definitely had a rocky start to his career, but settling in very nicely as the closer for the Cardinals. Giovanni Gallegos has 13 holds for that team. Uh, Henesis Cabrera has 12 holds. For the Diamondbacks, Joaquim Soria has their last three saves. All of them have come in July and could definitely be moved. Diamondbacks, one of the worst teams in baseball right now. Noe Ramirez has pitched in the eighth inning in two of those three saves in July. No way so. he gets the job, though. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. I'm sorry. Yeah, but it's just, yeah, it's the Diamondbacks. It's what's their over-under for wins rest of season. It's, I don't know, probably in the 15 to 20 range, I guess. That might even be too much. I don't know. For the Rockies, uh, Daniel Bard has 14 saves. Guess it's possible he could be moved as well. They don't have a great... Uh, record there the Rockies do Carlos Estevez has pitched in the eighth inning in three of their last four saves I don't think that he's very good but some reason they use him as the setup guy so name to remember there Carlos Estevez for the Dodgers it's Kenley Jansen Blake Trinan has 17 holds for the Padres Mark Melanson leads baseball with 27 saves has been a little bit more rocky recently so we'll pay attention there but Tim uh, Tim Hill has 12 holds Emilio Pagan has 11 and last but not least the Giants, Jake McGee, has their last three saves, 19 on the season. Excellent season for Jake McGee. Tyler Rogers has 10 saves and 17 holds. They have the best record in baseball. Maybe they look to trade for someone, shore up that bullpen, but Scott, you mentioned this. It looks like they have gone back to Jake McGee as their main, yeah. main closer. Yeah, he had that rough patch end of April, early May, and, and Tyler Rogers was able to pick up a few saves, but... It's definitely McGee's job now, and the numbers he's putting up, it, he deserves to keep it. Uh, you didn't mention the best reliever in the Padres bullpen is Austin Adams, mm. who I don't know how many holds he has, but 171 ERA, 104 whip, 13.6K per nine. He's, he's helping pad the ratios in my NL only league, so a little shout-out to Austin Adams in the Padres bullpen. Deep bullpen going, in San going, Diego. Going back to another deep bullpen in the NL West, have you guys seen how good Joseph West has been? Or Joseph Kelly, excuse me, <laughs> since the start of June. I have not. He doesn't He doesn't go by Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly was the guy who walked everyone. He's Joseph Kelly. Joseph Kelly's mm. got the good control. Mm. He has four walks since the start of June. He only has six walks the whole season. That, that is, is stunning, different, frankly. That's a different guy. For the, 
stunning for the guy who once threw a baseball through his living room window while playing catch. I don't know if you guys remember that video from the sure do quarantine. Oh man, let's let's hit some of these MLB trade rumors. And uh, look, there are a few that obviously, if these guys are moved, it could affect their fantasy value. And I think the the biggest one that comes to mind here is Trevor Story, who is a pending free agent for the Colorado Rockies at this point. And they mentioned that they weren't shopping him because they wanted him to go into the all-star break with a clear mind and be able to enjoy the experience there in Denver, Colorado. So I think that made a lot of sense. But all-star week is just about over. So I think now the fun begins. And for Trevor Story, a 981 career OPS in cores, 747 OPS on the road. How likely do you guys think it is that he's moved? I don't should, think it's... Should be 100%. Yeah, it should be. I don't think it's anywhere close to that, though. Yes, you can't I kind really of feel like it's less than 50... I, I kind of feel like it's less than 50-50, to be honest. Hasn't he already said that he's not going to resign in Colorado? I don't recall seeing that, but... Maybe he hasn't blatantly come out and said it, but I feel like there were multiple reports like, yeah, he's probably not going to resign. Yeah, I mean, I'd be all over him as a buy-low in fantasy right now if not for the threat of him being traded away from Colorado. Maybe maybe wait, wait till the first week of August to do that. I don't know. The one thing I will say in his favor if he does get traded is he has run more frequently on the road. For his career, he has 56 steals on the road in 336 games, 41 and 344 at home, which makes sense. He hits a lot better at home, and so he's on second and third or not on base after he hits a home run a lot more often when he's playing at home. So that's one way in which he could supplement his value. Obviously, he's got the 747 career OPS on the road. I think generally speaking, you can count on Rockies hitters once they get traded to perform better on in their new home than they did on the road because there is the course hangover effect. We've seen it a little bit with Arenado so far this season, um, although that actually hasn't been as pronounced. I, he's in a bit of a slump, I believe, because he's down to like an 813 OPS. It's been a roller coaster of a season for Arenado. He's gone through these stretches where he's looked really hot and then just cools off so yeah he's got 17 homers 56 rbi 265 batting average i mean if i was pretty sure coming into the season i expected something like 275 to 280 and there's still a chance that arenado can get there 819 yeah. ops it's fine it's you know i, I think it's slightly I, underwhelming from probably well, I, I think our concerns about nolan arenado leaving course field have been substantiated frankly yes. I, I think his numbers could get a little better from here but i yeah. He's not going to be drafted probably in the first five rounds next year. On the other hand, he's still pretty much on a 30 homer, 100 RBI, yeah. 90 or 80 run pace, which is... Sure, he hasn't cratered. Yeah. yeah. He's just not a stud anymore. Yeah, this is pretty close to what I expected. And I kind of chickened out as we got closer to the season and kept moving him up. But I originally had him like 75th overall. I think I did end up moving him to like 50th because I started seeing everybody drafting him at like 38th and getting spooked. <laughs> just stuck with my guns. Yeah, <laughs> Stick to the guns, Chris. Uh, for the Cubs, Craig Kimbrell, we already talked about. Very likely he could be moved. Uh, they're currently eight games out in the National League Central. So we've heard Javier Baez, possibility. Uh, Chris Bryant, both pending free agents there. 
The mm-hmm. Mets have been linked to Chris Bryant thus far, and they have J.D. Davis, who they're getting ready to activate uh, this upcoming weekend. So J.D. Davis is okay, but obviously Chris Bryant would be an upgrade there. Uh, do you think it's very likely that the Cubs just kind of fire sale everyone? Not named Kyle Hendricks, I guess? Mm, no. I don't, say we, I don't think... When's the last time we saw a team do that at the trade deadline? Just trade everybody. I don't feel like that happens. Yeah, a lot. I don't think they'll trade everyone. Like I think Rizzo's, they're gonna do it. They're yeah. gonna try really hard to re-sign Rizzo. But like, if I'm, I, I think Contreras. Okay, Karen, Contreras is a free agent at the end of next season. Correct. And Rizzo, Bryant, Baez are all this season. I wouldn't uh, be surprised if two of three of Kimbrel, Baez, and Bryant get moved. I think Brian for sure. I, I think he's gone, man. Like they've had such a weird relationship, him and the Cubs. And yes. I mean, Kimbrel, anything yeah. you can get for a reliever, obviously. I think Javier Baez is the one that's most likely to stay in Chicago, which is probably good for his fantasy value. He's been there his entire career. So uh, for the Minnesota Twins, I mean, they've uh, they have really cratered here as well. They're 15 games. Oh my gosh, 15 games out of their division. The uh, they're 11 games under 500. The Minnesota Twins are Nelson Cruz definitely a possibility. Some teams I've seen him linked to: uh, Oakland, Tampa Bay, Seattle. He's been there before, obviously. Josh Donaldson also linked to the Mets. They're looking for a third baseman, maybe even Jose Barrios. And look, if he goes to the National League, can't hurt, I guess, right? I mean, gets the face gets the face the pitcher, right? It, it would definitely be a positive for him. Yes, but if he Twins- did. Like, I think Toronto and the Yankees could potentially be in on Berrios, and those are not great ballparks to pitch in, so those might actually hurt him if that happens. I mean, he's, like, every single team should be in on Jose Berrios if sure. he's available. Yeah, I agree. Right, right, yeah. Um, man, the Twins got to be the biggest disappointment in baseball this year, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair to Number say. Number one on that list. I saw a graphic, I think, during the All-Star game or the Home Run Derby that every team that won their division last year, well, basically every division has changed who is in first place now. Like, they've all, they have all have sense. new teams in first place. So, it's, mm-hmm. so it makes baseball fun, right? So year over year, there's, there's a, a good amount of turnover. Uh, for the Texas Rangers, Kyle Gibson, I guess, same teams that would be interested in Berrios if they don't want to spend all the way up. They could look into Kyle Gibson. Joey Gallo linked to the Padres and the Yankees, which, look, I don't have to spell it out for you, but... Short portion right field. The I'm guy, just going to say that prediction yeah. now, if Joey Gallo ends up with the Yankees, Yankees fans will despise him. <laughs> they will hate him so much, and it will be really stupid. Yeah. But they will hate him. How many how many strikeouts do we get in like that first series that Joey I mean, Gallo's in Yankee Judge Stadium? Judge Stanton and Gallo right in a row? Oof. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> There's I mean, going to be some, some important game where they go 0 for 14 with seven strikeouts, and Yankees fans are going to want to burn the building down. I'm going to fall in love with Joey Gallo if he comes to the Yankees. Uh, Lots of strikeouts, three true outcomes, but man, him in Yankee Stadium would be wild. Uh, Just quickly here, Pirates, Adam Frazier, Richard Rodriguez could be available. Diamondbacks, we've already heard Eduardo Escobar was linked to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Cole Calhoun, possibility. Cattell Marte, I do wonder. They could probably get a nice haul for him. And then the other Marte for uh, the Miami Marlins. Starling Marte, who is having a very good season, He's about to enter free agency as well, so I think that yep. is a possibility. The report on him was that they made him an offer three years, $30 million, which is laughable. Oh, jeets. <laughs> good try. Um, 
And basically the, the, the report, it was from Barry Jackson from the Miami Herald, I believe. And it was basically, if they can't come to an extension with him in season, they will probably trade him. All right. And given that 330 was their opening salvo, I'm going to say there's a decent chance Starling Marte gets traded. So his value could be on the rise because, look, as great as he's been, let's call it for what it is, the Marlins lineup is not very good. So anywhere else he goes would be better for his fantasy value. So mailbag questions, these come from our Apple Podcast ratings and reviews. We do appreciate everyone who drops a five-star rating. Uh, leave a question in the review. We will answer it on a future podcast. This one's from Hammer and Hank, 12 by 12 head-to-head categories, 10-team league. I need a big upgrade at first base and center field. Currently starting Eric Hosmer and Ahmed Rosario. I have to imagine there's someone better in a 10-team league on your waiver wire, but I have the best pitching in the league with Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Lance Lynn, Shane Bieber, Luis Castillo, Lance McCullers, Hyunjin Ryu, Zach Gallen, Plesak, Strasburg, Gilbert, a lot. Which two or three might you look to trade from that group to upgrade my offense? So there was a lot of names, but feel free to choose a couple. I mean, if you really want to make a big upgrade, Wheeler would be the guy. I think he might be your best pitcher rest of the season, but I also think Nola, Lynn, Bieber, Burns could all be better than him the rest of the season. I really why, like Wheeler, but... Why wouldn't you shop Burns? I have concerns about Burns. I think Burns is better. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm... You know, a little out on a limb there, but I do think Burns is still the better pitcher of the two. And Wheeler's been, I mean, they've both been amazing. Um, I feel like the perception might be a little higher on Wheeler right now, but I don't actually know if that's true. I'd probably shop Burns if you were, if you were looking for a stud bet because, I mean, I might... Between the drop in spin rate and the drop in strikeouts and swinging strike rate that has uh, gone with it, Plus the the fact he hasn't been treated like a conventional starter since 2017. It's kind of a kind of a two pronged concern there from for uh, Corbin Burns, and you know obviously he's pitched like an ace to this point, and uh, you could get a good haul for him. Yeah, I like that logic there. Corbin Burns is one for me. Um, Aaron Nola, I would not try to sell right now because I feel like you would be selling yeah. low on him. Lance McCullers is someone who I, I believe we spoke about recently, Chris, where yeah. the Surface numbers, he's got a sub-3 ERA, but the underlying numbers say he's been a little bit lucky, so maybe McCullers, someone you could shop. Ryu, coming off a very good start, but has been a little bit shaky recently, so maybe you could still get something pretty damn good for Ryu just based on his name value and who he's been. So I think those are the names I'd be most likely to trade. From Amy Moak, 92, 12-team head-to-head points. Grade the trade. Flip Trevor Rogers for Joe Musgrove. So we, ha- we have the concerns for Rogers. And his yeah. innings, but Joe Musgrove has been a little bit mad recently. He's gotten worse every month. Sure has. Uh, I, I think his ERA has gone up at least half a run every month, actually. Uh, yeah, and and not a lot of consistency to pitching deep in games either. So he's gotten worse in every way. I value Rogers more, even though, you know, I I, I have concerns about him holding up in the second half. At best, this trade's a C. I'd probably give it a C minus. Well, how about this, Chris? The ERA, the ERA for Musgrove has gone up at least a full run yeah. every month this season. One point two four in April, two point eight four in May, three point eight one in June, five point seven nine. Only nine innings pitched, but that is in July. From Austin Frankie, 
Hey, what's up, man? Five by five keeper league. What do you think of this offer? Send Trey Turner, Cole Irvin, Mike Moustakis, Abraham Toro. So Turner, Irvin, and bleh. Receive <laughs> Marcus Semien, Randy Arosa Reyna, Edwin Diaz, Cedric Mullins, Trevor Rogers. Giving up. Oh, the- I, I think the problem here is that three of the best, I mean, three of the five players, I think there's a pretty even amount of quality across this trade. I think Simeon Mullins and Rogers have probably all seen their best days this season. That's not to say they won't be very good moving forward. But that being said, I mean, you're really only giving up one thing. You're giving up a top five player. But if you need, um, you know, depth, if you're filling up a bunch of lineup holes, if you're going to start all these guys, then I think it's a win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's I, I think it's a big win. I mean, it kind of depends whether it's a ten team league or a fifteen team league. I, I don't I can't imagine somebody giving up all of that for Turner in a fifteen team league. So it's yeah. probably a pretty shallow league. But if if these are actual upgrades in your to your lineup, Simeon, Diaz, Mullins, Rogers, and you know Arizona Arozarena could potentially be as well. Yeah. Um, then yeah, I think I think that's I think that's enough bulk for Turner. All right, last one we're going to hit here. This one's from Wild Wookie. What to get for Freddie Peralta and Trevor Rogers? I have them both and locked into the playoffs. This is a very popular question nowadays. Uh, I'm looking to package them for someone that will be able to help me later on in a head-to-head points league. What range of pitcher should I be looking for in a two-for-one deal? So that's a little bit more interesting. I haven't thought about it from that perspective, but I guess if you do have both of these guys on your team, what's realistic? A top a top 10 guy, like a Bueller, mm-hmm. yeah. like a Walker That's Bueller. That's what you should be for. I mean, Walker Garrett Bueller, Cole. Kevin Gosman. Um, I think that's the range you should be looking at. Mm-hmm. Zach Wheeler, Lance Lynn. Yeah. I, Garrett Cole's doable, I think. The, if you can get Garrett Cole for them. Slam I it. think that's a huge win. Slam yeah, I mean, the the negative, uh, negative response he's gotten lately the spin rates being down and everything. You know, 12 strikeouts and one complete game ago that you definitely could have done it. Now I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Though that was it was kind of his his swing cuz he threw a, like 120 something yeah, pitches. Yeah, but I don't think anybody's thinking about it that way. I think if you held on to Garrett Cole through those like seven bad starts or really it was like three bad starts out of six. Mm-hmm. Um you're probably just looking at the 12 strikeouts and the complete game and saying I I He's back, probably. or at least he's fine. And you yeah, should probably you're probably one start too late. I could see that being the case, but it it is worth noting. Yeah, Thir- yeah thirteen th- swing, thirteen swinging strikes on 129 pitches, basically a 10 percent swinging strike rate, which is pretty pretty bad. So yeah, I don't know. But I, I still have him as my number two starting pitcher. I know you guys have, or at least he's, Scott, you're lower than on that on him than that, right? I I think I think I'm fifth. So, you know, it's not like... But I think he's certainly the best pitcher in a tier rather than as part of a tier with Jacob deGrom. Now, right, yeah. Def- definitely behind Jacob. More like a second rounder in my eyes than a first rounder, I guess. Yeah, I have him fourth overall behind just Scherzer and Woodruff and obviously deGrom. So, yeah. I think Woodruff has kind of earned that right at this point. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I'm Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.